It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Welcome back to the, uh, you know, to the to the show that we're doing right now. Following the local teams, breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. There's going to be much higher expectations, sense of awareness of what uh, we bring to the table. Join the show by calling into 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press. Gross, and yes! Touchdown, did he get it? What's going on, everybody? Welcome on in to another edition of the Full Court Press. Eric Franson and Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press. Uh, we do understand that there are some uh, technical issues going on with our signal on the FM dial. So for those of you listening on the AM, thanks for hanging with us on 1390. Uh, I'm unaware if our online stream is up or not, uh, but that had some issues earlier in the day as well. Uh, but we're still doing a show, and... Um, we will make it available on podcast, so go back and listen to it, even if you had struggles listening to it while we have uh, were doing it live. But last hour, on uh, really short notice, but I really appreciate the insight and the experience and the memories, but uh, USU head trainer Mike Williams jumped on and joined us to talk about the uh, incident that happened at Utah State 10 years ago when Danny Berger collapsed. He had a cardiac event in practice. And um, you know, Mike jumped in, performed CPR, an AED was nearby, and they were able to uh, shock his heart and, and get it going again uh, and transported to Logan Regional, and then he was flown down to Murray. Um, but uh, uh, eventually he was able to make a recovery and rejoin his teammates and be on the squad the following season and then eventually even went on to play internationally for a little bit. But uh, we don't know if that's going to be the same situation for DeMar Hamlin or not, as he is still in uh, intensive care. Um, the, the, the reports today seem to indicate that he is making positive progress, but we still don't know the extent of damage or the extent of uh, you know, how he is affected by his incident on the field on Monday night in Cincinnati. And now also we're trying to figure out the NFL and the Buffalo Bills and, well, frankly, the, the New England Patriots, too, uh, when their next game will happen, or if it will happen, because the, the Bills are scheduled to host New England on Sunday, I believe Sunday at 1 o'clock. Um, so that game could be postponed, could be moved a, a day or two, just to give the team a little bit more time to you know, wrap their brains around what's, what's happening right now with their teammate and uh, moving forward. So I at least appreciate the NFL discussing that there is an option about delaying the situation rather than just being cold and saying, you got a game on Sunday at 1 o'clock, and we expect you to be there. You know, there are some people that were on Twitter saying, let's keep playing the game, you know, like like that night. And there's some controversy about whether or not the NFL thought they should keep playing. There's accusations being thrown back and forth of people lying and whatnot, but there are people on Twitter like said that they were just like, hey, let's keep playing the game. Why not? You know, somebody might have just died, but oh, you know, just keep playing the game. Ugh. Heartless. These guys aren't human. No. Just keep playing. Then then they call everyone else soft. It's like, okay. 
Sure thing. So if you missed our conversation with Mike Williams, we are going to make that available on our podcast feed. Certainly the the, uh, the the full hour will be available, but we're also going to just isolate that that interview in and of itself uh, to make that available on 1069thefan.com or uh, anywhere you subscribe to our podcasts. You can hear that specific interview uh, that we had with him. Um, but uh, really interesting insight in, in uh, uh, perspective of being there and all the, as you said earlier, all the things that had to go right or be available for Danny was uh, lined up, and uh, he had a quick response, which really led to, really assisted in his ability to, to make a f- really a full recovery and rejoin his teammates and play Division One college basketball, which is not an easy thing to do. Yeah, went back, played 28 games this season. It's like, it's like dang. <laughs> wow. You know, full t- and like also went and played professionally. So it's not like, oh, yeah, now I can, you know, I recover. Now I can just play basketball, you know, pick up. Like, Dude, dude's playing full-on Division One in professional basketball with, uh, you know, the little device in his chest, the, I guess, mini defibrillator type, you know, automatic, you know, jump start is hard if it stops again. Um, so, yeah, pretty uh, pretty interesting. You know, I know for me as a person, Mike was saying he wasn't really that nervous about watching Danny go back out into the court. But for me, it was like, Okay, this dude nearly died. Are we sure he should, be, he should be out there, but he was—he's fine. He's living his life to the fullest now. Yeah, pretty incredible story. Uh, and then another thing happening today with Utah State athletics and basketball, uh, USU announcing today that J.C. Carroll, uh, number twenty, his jersey will be uh, hung in the rafters, uh, and it will take place on uh, the game with Nevada coming to town on February eighteenth. And uh, to be clear, his jersey will be retired, but the number will not be. Yeah, there's two retired numbers. And I don't think they'll ever retire a number again. Um, yeah, of course, J.C. is about as close as you might want to get to retiring a number again. Because you have Burt Cook, whose number was retired. Actually, I think his number was retired while he was still playing, <laughs> if I read the history right that I was really? looking up. I'm going to I'm going to be digging into it a little bit more. I'll have I'll basically have a, a written history about all the guys that have had their names or uh, jerseys retired, but you know, Burt Cook and Wayne Estes. Wayne Estes obviously very <laughs> a lot of reasons why he had his number retired. Um probably the biggest name in program history, but probably the second biggest name in program history at this point is probably JC Carroll. Obviously not the only one. And so for me, I, you know, I said this on Twitter. It's like this is always a matter of when, not if. He's gonna have his jersey retired. It's just when is it gonna happen? And the answer is February 18th. <laughs> and I, I like that it's happening against Nevada because that was a team that he competed against when USU was in the WAC, and there were some some great battles uh, between Utah State and Nevada back then. So there's it, rather than doing it against. Uh, you know, a, a quote-unquote newer uh, conference opponent that's in the uh, in the Mountain West. Just there's history between Utah State and Nevada with J.C. Carroll on the court. I wonder if they asked him, like, is there a game you want to do? And he's, Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he, what kind of input he may have had on choosing the game, but uh, certainly those events, you got to line up. You, you, uh, family needs to be able to be there and, and – uh, uh, availability for himself so really cool situation applaud utah state for for doing this absolutely deserving 
Um, and uh, he was an outstanding player. We've had the opportunity to, to speak with him a couple of times since he retired uh, professionally and has moved back to Cache Valley. Uh, he's been attending Utah State games uh, when he can and uh, you know, trying to, to be a, a, a positive presence in, uh, in the community and um, for Utah State as well. So really cool to see you know, J.C. Carroll uh, back in the mix after a, a tremendous career at Utah State, followed by a tremendous career professionally overseas. Uh, and uh, won multiple championships internationally. But this is about what he did while wearing uh, the, the blue and white for Utah State. And uh, absolutely deserving. Excited to see this happen. Uh, and uh, excited for, for J.C. Carroll. And for folks who, who may not have seen him in person, they will see that jersey in the rafters, and they'll do some research and see what kind of a special player he really was. See, I'm one of those people that never saw him uh, play in person. Obviously, I was a very young man when he was playing at Utah State. So, unfortunately, I never, I've never seen him play in person. Um, don't think I ever watched him on TV either. I've had, you know, watched highlights, but because um, his playing career is obviously still going for a, a good chunk of my life. But yeah, it'll be something to to look back on. It'll be nice to celebrate. You know, his his time is one of the the best shooters, probably the best shooter in program. And there's one person who's made the argument that. J.C. Carroll is the best uh, three-point shooter, at least in the 21st century, if not all time, at least in the college ranks. Yeah, and, you know, it makes me wonder if, if you know, who else should get their jersey retired, if there should be others that haven't had that option um, that perhaps should. You know, would, uh, would, would Sam Merrill be considered in the same stratosphere as, uh, as J.C.? Would he have his uh, jersey retired someday? And I, I would argue that we should have that discussion. I, I think that Sam got the got to the team to multiple NCAA tournaments. Um, so he got the team to multiple Mountain West Conference championships, uh, and uh, is certainly up there among the greats for Utah State uh, in its rich basketball history. Yeah, I think him, and I think uh, there's a couple other guys. I think from the Stu Morrill era that maybe get thrown in that conversation. I think Ty Wesley's name has been. Uh, thrown around a little bit. There's kind of a lot of the guys that are like they were like really good, but maybe they're not quite all time greats. You know, Sam Merrill. I think what is he number? He's number two in all time scoring, isn't he? I believe at Utah State. I think Ty he, Wesley. Uh, no, uh, Sam Merrill. Excuse oh, me. Oh, Sam Merrill. Uh, I think he is just behind. He's yeah. JC's number one, and I think Sam's number two. Yeah. So I so and and pretty much everybody else in the top five or six, I think, have their their jersey retired because I think it's you know. It's, Carol and and, and uh, guys like I think uh, either Greg Grant or Cornell Green or both, and obviously Wayne Estes are up there. So it's like, yeah, this is a dude who scored the second most points ever. And so you, you probably have that conversation down the line. You know, when to retire a jersey can be difficult. I don't know if J.C. Carroll playing in Europe affected that because maybe he wouldn't have been able to come back and actually attend his own ceremony. I don't know if. It was just scheduling conflict that always that always kept him because, like I said, it was it was always a matter of when. You knew it was going to happen. Maybe it just took this long to finally manage to get everything together to have this kind of you know ceremony and celebration of Carol's career. And maybe Sam will be the same way because he looks like he's eventually going to end up playing in Europe. His time in the NBA seems to be a bit numbered. I think he's in the G League right now. Yes. 
but he may end up deciding to go maybe play in Europe and, and have a professional career there the way that uh, J.C. Carroll did and the way that you know some other Aggie greats have done. Yeah, so, uh, uh, well, just, just to reiterate, again, it'll take place February 18th uh, when Utah State hosts Nevada uh, for – uh, and that should be a special night, uh, uh, and see who else is in attendance. Uh, will 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 Stu Morrill be there? I don't know. Um, will other Aggie, uh, former Aggie basketball players, be there uh, who played with him or alongside him? Um, it'll be an exciting night for the Carroll family and for Aggie Nation. So excited to see this happen. This is well deserved, and you're totally right. It wasn't a matter of if; it was just a matter of when. And now we know the date. There we go. It'll be it'll be a fun night. I'll be there. Yes. Guaranteed. Yes. <laughs> it's my job. <laughs> I'm there at every home game. Uh, speaking of Aggie basketball, last night, Utah State uh, going to Air Force, picking up a victory uh, against the Falcons, 77-65, to but doing it in a way that they, without scoring a bucket, uh, at least a field goal, I should clarify, without getting a scoring a field goal in the last eight and a half minutes and still winning by double digits. Was it what Air Force was doing defensively, or the Aggies just not able to really hit their shots? I think some of it was, you know, in the first half, a lot of shots that maybe shouldn't have gone in kind of did. They had a lot of shots in the paint. They were attacking the rim a lot. Like, this is a team that, you know, some people might think this is a live and die by the three kind of team. They're not. They know what the most important shot in the game is, and that's a layup. And they took that shot over and over and over again in the first half. Like, 20 of their 30 shots in the first half were inside the paint. And, like, 15 or 16 of those were layup attempts, layup or dunk attempts. So this team knew, they know which side of the, the their bread is buttered on. They, they like layups more than they like threes. And against a team that's starting lineup is a, they're the tallest guy in the Air Force starting lineup is 6'5". They wanted to get layups. But in the second half, and Odom kind of talked about this with, uh, in in the post game press conference, the, some of their shots became a little more erratic, and some of that may have been from Air Force, but I think some of that just was Utah State trying to push it a little bit, and they'd take, you know, some shots that were still in the paint, but they were like more uh, non restricted area paints, like the not layups or really close hook shots, but like a little further away, you know, closer to the free throw line, and sure those count as paint attempts, but they're not very efficient shots. A lot of times those shots can be less efficient than mid-range jumpers. You'll be shooting in the you know high 30s percent from that range because they tend to be difficult shots and closely contested. So the Aggies were taking not very good shots for a decent portion of uh, the second half. They took enough good shots and they made some, uh, at least early in the first half, to kind of keep up with Air Force's run. But yeah, for, for a lot of those shots, they were just not quality looks that, sure, they can make them at times, but if you're living on a diet of those, then every now and again you're going to go nine minutes without making a bucket. And then some of them were just unlucky. <laughs> some of them went in and out. Uh, yeah, so uh, you know, the, this is a, an Aggie team will have to turn around and, and uh, figure out a few things. <coughs> When they go on the road against uh, Boise State, now that's an early afternoon game, 4:30. It'll be on FS1, uh, the first of three games in a row for the Aggies. It'll be on FS1, um, but uh, that'll be a tough test at Boise State. 
who struggled early in the season but have kind of come into their own. And uh, Shaver hit a last-second shot, uh, well, three seconds on the clock for uh, Boise State to uh, to beat uh, San Jose State last night uh, in conference play. Um, so it was a you know, dramatic finish for them. And they've uh, they're, they're playing some pretty good basketball. Boise State is. Yeah, there was a time where I thought Boise State was probably definitively the most underrated team in the Mountain West. They were playing quality basketball up there with the likes of the Utah State, San Diego States, and UNLV's New Mexico's, but they weren't getting quite as much recognition for it. Um, they did fall off a little bit with you know the back-to-back losses to Santa Clara and Nevada. You know they, you know, slide by San Jose State at home. This is a quality basketball team. You're going to have to watch out for them. Uh, obviously, going on the road, we've, we've talked about it already. It's difficult to get a road win here in the Mountain West, especially given how tough this conference is top to bottom. Every game at this point is one you can lose easily. It's a game you can lose by double digits if you're not careful. So the Aggies got to go in there and they got to play really well uh, if they want to come away with the win here because they <laughs> they've struggled even more on the road against Boise State than they have against Air Force. Yeah, so, I mean, it was still a low-scoring affair, 67-64, uh, for that Boise State win. Um, Utah State uh, puts up 77 uh, on Air Force on the road. But, as we've talked about, it can be tough to win on the road in this conference because the other road game uh, last night was Fresno State hosting number 21 New Mexico. And the Bulldogs win that one 71-67, handing New Mexico their first loss of the season and uh, the, that, they were the last undefeated team in America. Yeah, and, and Fresno State had a losing record, still has a losing record. And they beat the 21st-ranked team in the country that was the only undefeated team left in the country. Like, seriously, it is tough. You know, Boise State, they go on the road to Nevada, where Nevada isn't like, you know, well, actually, they're 12-3, and three, so I guess that's very understandable why they, why they lost there. But um, still, like, Every game is going to be a battle here. Like, it's not the, the non-conference slate where there's a few games where it's like, okay, this one feels pretty comfortable like it's going to be Utah State win. There's not a single game on this conference schedule I feel comfortable about. No, no. Even the teams that are low in the net, uh, they can be tough. Uh, Air Force has been improving a lot. San Jose is a lot better this year than they've been. Even though Wyoming is low in the net rankings, um, they're starting to get guys back. And that's a dangerous team if they get healthy. So there's really nobody that you can just overlook and, and think that it's an automatic win, especially when you go on the road. Yeah, I think home against Air Force is the only game where I'm like, yeah, it's probably going to be the win. But knowing Utah State, now that's going to be the game they lose because <laughs> they also lost at home to Weber State. But, yeah, you know, road against Air Force is like, okay, well, they could lose this game. Road against anybody in the Mountain West I'm probably going to be pessimistic and say, yeah, they're probably going to lose this game just because it's so hard. And you get a pleasant surprise. Oh, yeah, we remember, oh, yeah, Utah State's good. So they can win on the road, and they'll probably do it several times. But we'll see this team take a couple of big lumps when they go play some tough teams in this Mountain West Conference. Uh, Tonight in the Mountain West, a later game, 8.30 tip-off on FS1. It's Colorado State at Nevada. Uh, Nevada favored by four in this one, CSU and another one of those teams kind of struggling uh, through parts of the season, but part of it's because of injury to key players and some of those guys starting to come back 
Um, but uh, interesting to see how that plays out on FS1 tonight. Uh, got to take another time out here in the Full Court Press. Love to continue talking about Utah State. Utah Jazz were also in action last night. We'll talk about the uh, uh, the Jazz and their game against the uh, the, the Kings. Um, how much more can the Jazz go through of clutch games that get away from them before they just start to fold up their tent? Uh, but uh, they're staying in there. They're staying competitive. But how much more can they take of that before they either break through or just kind of break apart. So we'll discuss that coming up next here on the Full Court Press. Advanced Heating and AC, the two-time gold medal winner in Best in Northern Utah. They're teaming up with Carrier Heating and Cooling. Carrier provides you the best furnace units available, and now's the best time to buy a new unit before the weather turns cash valley cold. Financing options are available. Turn to the experts at Advanced Heating and Carrier. Advanced Heating and Air Conditioning 752-7272 or stop by their showroom west of DI and online at advancedheating-ac.com We're not comfortable until you are Advanced Heating and Air This is Zach with HSA Depot. Christmas is nearly here. Make sure you be merry and bright by using your pre-tax funds on your medical needs. We know your regular holiday budget is disappearing quick. So instead, save money by using your pre-tax income to buy qualifying medical supplies. HSA Depot carries hundreds of unique and dashing eligible products to help you conquer your health care. Come to HSA Depot next to Sally Beauty Supply and see how much you can save this holiday season. HSA Depot, five-star review. Own a small business or a farm? You thought about solar? Listen up. A new USDA grant was announced allocating $300 million for farmers and small business owners to put in solar. That's right. The government will help you get solar installed, covering 40% of the cost. And don't forget, as a business, you can save up to 50 or 60% more with federal and state tax credits. Second Sun Solar will install your system and help with the USDA paperwork. Call Second Sun Solar today at 435-363-9917 or online at utahsolardirect.com. Join the show by calling 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Eric France and Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press. I know, Jason, you got a, a ball game you're going to be doing tonight. So, Yep. Going to dip out a little early. I'll be here for about 90% of the show still. So, um, We didn't get a chance to talk stat and player yesterday. I don't know if you still have your stat and your player. Uh, I have them where I can access them pretty quickly. Um, I'll need to go back and f- find my stat. Uh, I, I can find it pretty quickly. But uh, before we talk about the Jazz, let's should we do that real quick? Our stat and our stat player? player. Yeah, let's do it. Um, I don't. Uh, we'll skip the fancy music. <laughs> we can we'll just get right to it, so we can move on because we're a day late on it. But for for me, um, you want to, let's do the stat first. All right. So uh, this was. <laughs> This is courtesy of Stat Muse, <coughs> but um, looking at the impact of, or, or lack thereof, I should say, of Ben Simmons. <laughs> the uh, well, he has not made a free throw in over twelve games. This was as of yesterday, and the Nets are undefeated in that stretch. 
The Nets are 1-6 when Simmons makes a free throw. They are 17-3 when he doesn't make a free throw. That's amazing. <laughs> and they've been one of the hottest teams in the NBA over this last little stretch, and part of that is because Ben Simmons is not taking free throws. I'm here for all the Ben Simmons <laughs> slander. He is, he is not really a part of what's going on with them and their, their great play right now because uh, Brooklyn has won 10 in a row. Actually, they've won 12 in a row, and they've rocketed up to uh, one of the top teams in the NBA. They're, they're essentially a half a game behind Boston for the top team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, it's just a long fortune for Utah's uh, draft prospects. Cause, but granted, if any of either the Nets or, or 76ers did well, then it doesn't matter. The 76ers are still doing pretty well. So Right. Sixers are in the fifth spot. Brooklyn's <clears throat> in the second. Minnesota, they're out of the playoffs as of right now. Yeah, that one's looking really great. Yeah. That one's looking amazing. <laughs> um, and Rudy Gobert's taking a lot of heat now, too. Yeah, and yeah. I, well, I guess there's some controversy with D'Angelo Russell is uh, unfollowing the Timberwolves yeah, on I know, social like, media. That's the lamest thing ever whenever that happens. Like, so-and-so unfollowed the team they played for. It's like, are you a child? And he's like, cryptically like retweeting and quote-tweeting other players. You know, bet on yourself. and Like, it is the most childish thing to do. And they know exactly what they're doing. It's like when Kyler Murray... Acted like a complete child and just took all the Cardinals stuff off his Instagram. But then he got it back in karma a thousand times more when everyone found out about that, you know, got a study game film yeah, in his contract. Right. Which, uh, he so deserved that. Yes. So anyway, the the Ben Simmons uh, stat, that one uh, definitely blew my mind. There you go. Uh, my stat has to do with Donovan Mitchell. A lot of people may have seen this already, but... He scored or assisted on 99 points in that game where he had, like, the 71 points and, like, 10 or 11 assists. And it's the second most ever in terms of points and points plus assists, you know, points by assists. The only game that it's behind, you know the one, Wilt Chamberlain. That's incredible. Uh, He had 104. So he had four points from assists. (laughs) <laughs> he, did, he, he did most of the legwork himself on his uh, 104 points and points by assist. He got like, you know, like 99% of that. 100 Aww. of his 104. Donovan Mitchell only got the 71 out of 99. That's incredible. The scrub. <laughs> yeah. Only 71 only. points out of only. 99. <laughs> Pretty good game, though, I'd say. Pretty good yes. game. Yeah, very impressive. Uh, my player of the week. Uh, and I was this was on my list before we had our conversation with Mike Williams. But my player was the uh, the, the trainers and medical professionals and uh, first responders on Monday night who quickly responded to a tragic situation being played out on national television and just jumped in quickly to to, to regain a pulse of uh, Demar Hamlin and, and get him stable so they could transport him to a hospital. You make me feel like a terrible person now. <laughs> no. Because you're, like, giving people who actually deserve these. I was like, oh, yeah, these people, they saved a person's life. Because, and obviously, and I was like, oh, yeah, I, I, had, I had Lowry marketing. Again. <laughs> Lowry's a good choice. <laughs> but he didn't save somebody's life, potentially. <laughs> he only scored, like, 31 points and 11 rebounds over the course of, like, four games last week. The scrub. <laughs> save somebody's life next time. <laughs> 
Well, and almost a, a game-winning shot last night. Yeah, but that wasn't that wasn't no, last that week. Was, so. That was last week. And that's <laughs> uh, actually I just I just um, saw this. This actually was earlier today from our friends at StatMuse. Um, our friends at StatMuse. Well, my friends at StatMuse. I don't know them personally, <laughs> but well, I don't I don't like him as much because I followed him when they first came on. Then they had to let Rudy go bear slander for a while, and so oh. they stopped following. Was like, yeah, go. yeah, that's true. They had a lot of anti-Rudy stuff, uh, but they have some interesting stuff about Lowry, um, comparing what he did last year to what he's doing this year. Last year, he averaged under 15 points a game, uh, about five and a half rebounds per game, 45 percent from the field. 36% from three, 87% from the free throw line. This year so far, nearly 24 points per game. That's 23.9. Eight and a half rebounds per game, 53% from the field, 42% from three, and still 87% from the free throw line. And uh, they've added that he is uh, one of the odds-on favorites to win most improved player in the NBA. Oh, he, he has to be a landslide favorite. Um, the one stat that I looked at, maybe I could use this stat because it's one I actually tracked down myself. It was, you know, it's a few days old, but I'm pretty sure it still counts. Or it's still relevant because I don't think Lowry's removed himself from the criteria. But players who have scored at least 25 points per 75 possessions and had a usage rate under 25. Larry Markin's the only player in NBA history to do that so far. Yeah, he, he's very efficient. Uh, when he gets the ball, when he takes a shot, um, good chance he's he's scoring. Um, so, you know, last night it was interesting watching him play because i got to go down to that Jazz game. He had 10 points in the first half. He had 10 points in the third quarter. Actually, he had 12 in the third quarter. Um, and then he had stretches in the fourth where he would kind of disappear a little bit, but then he still made some big plays down the stretch, um, critical of free throws when a lot's on the line, and he made all three. And, of course, that, that incredible shot at the end of the game, just unfortunately just a fraction of a second too late. But um, it, it's been really fun watching his development as a player. And... You know, we were talking about this on the way home last night from the game. It's it's frustrating to see what the Jazz are going through right now in their fifth straight loss, and so many of these games have been down to the wire. Really, there's only been a handful of games. You can count on one hand how many times the Jazz this season have been blown out and just flat out outplayed. All of their other losses have been close, or at least games where they were in it. Uh, and for most of the game. And in this current stretch where they've they've lost five in a row, they've been to the wire. And it's frustrating, but these are guys right now for Utah who a year ago, 95% of this team, none of these guys were playing clutch minutes for their teams. They weren't asked to be in late-game situations. Maybe they were on the court, but they weren't asked to be like the guy. But um, you know, these are guys that are, are in situations that they're not really familiar with, at least not since their college days. And it's very different doing this in the NBA than when you were in college. Yeah, Larry Markin's not been the guy since he was like, what, Arizona is where he played his college ball at? Right. 
and he's now in his sixth year in the NBA. He's, he's not used to doing this. So it is certainly a big jump for him. Um, so, yeah, and I think the fact they're in a lot of these games shows they're at least a well-motivated team, um, which, you know, shows pretty well on the coach. They struggle to execute in clutch situations, which some of that's on the players, maybe some of that's on the coach. That's kind of hard to to really flesh out and figure out exactly what's going on there. Um, so it's an area of improvement. And, so, and some of that is the fact these guys are, as you mentioned, they're not used to being in these situations. Not enough of the key guys are used to being in these situations. You know, not just offensively, where they're pretty solid offensively, they're just not very good defensively. Right, and I think that's what has really reared its ugly head in these uh, last couple of games, just not able to get stops when they really matter. Um, like, there are a few miscommunication issues, some blown assignments last night in the last few minutes of the game, and Fox has a clear lane <laughs> to go throw down a monster dunk of under a minute to go. Like, you, you can't give that, that guy that much room uh, to get space and in, in, in downhill. So yeah, this is a team that's still coming together um, and learning and trying to understand what it means to play l- I- I critical minutes in late-game situations. So the question here is, are they, are they on the threshold of getting this figured out and, and start to be able to win some of these close games? Or they've had so many losses like this, are, are we at a point where this team starts to just get frustrated and they don't, they don't play as competitively and to start to go downhill from here? This team's capable of winning these close games because they were doing it early in the year. But I think the frustration at this point may keep them from getting back to that. They get in their own heads about it, and you know they, they stop believing the way they were early in the season, where they were rejecting all of the, you know, analysis from people like me who said all oh, this team's going to be terrible, and they've defied that already, um, to some degree. But now maybe there's you know the the aspects of this team that I was worried about, you know, not being great on defense. Um, that was my biggest concern. They thought they were going to be terrible on defense. They'd be good on offense. They've exceeded my expectations on offense, and for a while they were exceeding my expectations on defense. But now they're li- these last this last little bit where they've now fallen below 500. It's exactly what I expect the defense to be, and that's the problem. <laughs> if you're that bad on defense, it's going to lose you a lot of games, and it has. Yeah, uh, it, it has. <laughs> uh, one, of the, one of the things that's also kind of perplexing, you know, watching this team. Um, is uh, the use of Rudy Gay. And I'll admit, I was a Rudy Gay apologist uh, under Quinn Snyder. And uh, he just, uh, until like the last half of last season when we never saw him. And at the start of this year, it looked like, oh, you know, these guys, Will Hardy's finally going to let him play. And he's going to get out there and help the team and be the type of guy that we, we thought he could be. But he really hasn't. In fact, I think he's somewhat regressed. Uh, but he played 13 minutes last night, and he grabbed a couple of rebounds. He did have a couple of assists, but his shots were just off, and they were not good. And it had us all wondering, why is this guy even on the court? When well, why isn't Fontecchio getting minutes or Agbaji getting more minutes? If we're going to just waste time on a player on being on the court, why not give it to a young guy and give him a chance to develop? 
but he was still plus three off the bench. So the team, what he's doing to help the team in other ways is kind of interesting. Sarah Todd put a big piece together uh, about that with uh, Rudy Gay, why he's still being used even though he's, his uh, shots aren't going in. But it makes me wonder if they're just trying to still showcase him so they can move him. <laughs> What are they trying to move him for? A ham sandwich? <laughs> like, like honestly, like, what are they getting out of him? I don't know what they could get like out a, of him. Like a he's soda taking, machine? He's getting space and taking up time that younger developing players should be able to get. He's but not, I don't think he's going to be easy to move because his contract. Yeah, he's, he's not moving because you'd have to give up assets to move him, and there's no reason to do that. Just play somebody else. Play Agbaji. You know, if you're, you know, if you're gonna have a guy out there who's gonna make mistakes on one end of the floor, but you know, you know, you know, be inefficient in his minutes, just play the rookie. Just it's nuts. well, and Will Hardy admitted as much last night that um, you know, Akbaji got seven minutes and they were in the middle of the game, not late blowout minutes. Uh, he played minutes in the middle of the game where important stretches. And he admitted after, as much after the game that they've got to find ways to get him more opportunity. Yeah, and because for, of his size and his length. Yeah, you know, four seven eight one. He's chiming in on this Rudy Gay conversation. Why is Rudy Gay getting minutes? He is such trash. Dude doesn't belong in the NBA anymore. And yeah, Rudy Gay is in his uh, he's in his age thirty six season. Um, trying to do the math on how many seasons he's been in the NBA, and it's too many for me to count since two thousand seven. Or 2006, and uh, 4781 also saying, "Don't respect, don't disrespect a ham sandwich like that, Jason. <laughs> Messed up, bro." Uh, yeah, it's really unfortunate uh, and frustrating. I mean, he had a lot of looks, good looks, and it's just it's it's not there. Um, but he really is the only small forward in the lineup, and so he kind of plays an important role on the court. For the Jazz, but um, he's too slow to play just, small forward anymore. He's just though. not making it work. He played power forward for years in San Antonio. Did his first year in Utah? Like, why are you moving him back to the position he's too slow to play anymore? He was working well as a power forward because you know, obviously a bit slower, but he was maybe a bit bulkier and all the wiser too. It helped him play really great defense. <clears throat> he was really good at defense even in his like you know mid thirties, but. And he's actually kind of still decent in defense, but he's just overall just not good anymore. Play the young guys. It's not going to be all that different. I know coaches love to default more to veteran guys because they're trying to win, and veteran guys, they can be more reliable. But just go with the young guy. Just do it. It's not going to be that bad. Walker Kessler turned out just fine. I know Walker Kessler's probably a lot better than Agbaji, but I'm pretty sure Kessler was taken after Agbaji was. <laughs> I think you're right. It, it, well, it gets back to my New Year's resolution. Like, th- this team needs to decide who they are, who they want to be. Uh, do they want to be a playoff team, or do they want to be a development team and, and go for the draft? Well, in this case, you can have your cake stuck and, in the middle right now. In this case, you can have your cake and eat it too, because you just play Agbaji over Rudy Gay, you can maybe <laughs> still make the playoffs. That, or you find out that Agbaji is terrible. Because here's the thing: there's not that many players who are just absolutely royally terrible in their first rookie in their in their rookie season. That end up being good players. So if you play a guy in his rookie year and he's just awful, then that's that. You figured it out. 
you know. But and obviously they don't have to be perfect as a rookie. But they're going to show those flashes early on. So play them. Figure out what you got. Like, is it really going to hurt you if you play, you know, Agbaji over Rudy Gay? You know, your 10th guy? Like, just, it's not that big a deal. Uh, 4781 adds, I'd rather watch our young players go through the growing pains of learning versus watching Rudy go through the growing pains of his stomach expanding. <laughs> I know what that's like. <laughs> Uh, all right, more on uh, Full Court Press. Love to get your texts coming through, 435-339-0321. We're right in the middle of holiday season. Most of our focus is on family and friends, as it should be. But don't forget your vehicles during the cold winter months. At Valvoline's an oil change will make it easy on you to get an oil change, have your vehicle's fluids checked, and if needed, check emissions and renew your registration. All while you sit in your warm car. It doesn't get much easier than that. Valvoline Instant Oil Change, 695 North Main, across from Angie's. It's that first kiss, that moment in time. It's that look in her eye when you get the first sign. We make it personal, you know when it's real. Something for everyone, we know how you Cash Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat is locally owned and operated inside the beautiful new Three Peaks Medical Plaza in North Logan. Expect the most cutting-edge techniques, qualified doctors, and friendly staff to ensure the highest quality patient care. The ENT providers have extensive training to properly treat ear, nose, and throat conditions for adults and children. Cash Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat serves all of northern Utah and southern Idaho, accepting most insurance products, including SelectMed. Go to CashValleyENT.com for appointments and details. Cash Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat, located in North Logan and Providence. The Doug Gottlieb Show. Is there a doctor here? Listen. Here's the part about the Rams that, like, no one's talking about. And the Rams lose Cooper Cup probably for the season. And, and it's like, oh, the Rams, F them draft picks, whatever. Like, that's great. Everybody else fills out the rest of the roster with draft picks. They don't have the draft picks. And the draft picks you do have, you got to hit. The Doug Gottlieb Show. Weekday afternoons from 1 to 4 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Eric Franson, Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press. Uh, just a reminder, we'll have it up here in just a little bit. Uh, last hour, we had a great conversation with Mike Williams, head USU trainer, who uh, was on the scene when Utah State had its own uh, DeMar Hamlin uh, situation or experience. Um, Danny Berger in practice, Utah State men's basketball collapsed, had a cardiac event. And uh, Mike Williams was there on the scene, helped uh, revive Danny, and uh, all, all the and share his memories of that day and what uh, what it was like watching that and experiencing it, and then kind of also in context of what happened on Monday night and what he's observed in that situation on Monday night football. So uh, that's uh, going to be loaded on our podcast feed here shortly. So stay tuned for that. 
Uh, Utah State basketball with a nice win at Air Force. And as uh, we're seeing, it's not easy to win on the road in this Mountain West Conference because New Mexico lost in a, when they went on the road at Fresno State, a team Utah State just beat the week previous, a few days ago. Uh, but we saw that was not an easy game to get past. Fresno State's uh, slow it down, grind it out kind of a, a team. Aggies were able to find a way to win. Uh, New Mexico, unfortunate for them, were not. Um, so Utah State, one of three teams that remain undefeated in conference play. Uh, Utah Jazz were in action last night. Um, they were down most of the game, and they'd get it within five and then Sacramento would stretch it to eight or nine. And then the Jazz would get it to five. And then Sacramento would stretch it back out again. And then end of the third quarter, Jazz get it about even. And then the fourth was back and forth. Uh, Jazz never really got much of a lead, not more than two or three points. Uh, then they're, they're down, kind of like the Miami game. Uh, they're, they're down, but all of a sudden in the last few possessions, they make just the right plays to give themselves a chance. And uh, 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 I want to say Simone Fontecula. It's not the right name at all. Lowry Markinen, uh attempts a three and gets fouled, makes all three free throws to tie the game. But uh, kind of like Miami, again, they leave a little bit too much time on the clock. Sacramento comes down. Fox makes a shot, bounces around, and goes in. 0.4 seconds to go. Um, they get a shot off at the end, but just too late. And the Jazz have lost five in a row, all of them single-possession games. Yeah, it's just a rough stretch, except for those of us who are uh, in the Tank Note Club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, don't know, I might have to renew my membership because I was... I, I got to figure my New Year's resolution needs to be, all right, am I in or out on, on the tank or not? Because early on I was all in on the tank, and then now it's like, well, I don't know anymore. <laughs> and now it's like, okay, we're back to the tank because they have a losing record now. Uh, but, yeah, the Jazz have lost, gosh, seven of their last nine games. Um, and uh, they, they've got a road trip ahead of them. And they're uh, on Thursday they'll be at Houston. On Saturday at Chicago, Sunday at Memphis. Uh, they, should be, they should be able to get a few of those games. Chicago has been struggling. Houston is bad. Uh, but Memphis is a solid team. And they return home next Tuesday to host Donovan Mitchell and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And uh, it'll be interesting to note what kind of reception Donovan gets that night. Five bucks says Donovan rolls an ankle before the game <laughs> and misses it. <laughs> Or Load he's going to score. He's going to score eighty-five points against the Jazz. One of the other. one of the two. One of the two. <clears throat> um, so yeah, it's an interesting stretch here uh, for the Jazz. A mix of teams that they should play well against and should beat, with uh, a mix of you know, some of the top teams in the NBA over the next couple of weeks. Um, so we'll see what happens uh, with the Utah Jazz. Uh, Four seven eight one. Text in. I bet Donovan only scores 13 in that game and then blames it on his ankle that he'd rolled before the game, like Jason said. <laughs> He's going to play through that rolling like just a show. <laughs> I'm, no. I don't know. Joel Embiid kept always skipping the Jazz because he never wanted to play Rudy Gobert, which is weird because he usually played pretty well against Rudy Gobert, so it's weird that he kept dodging him. So, I don't know. Uh, also, uh, I missed this one from earlier. Uh, thank 
I guess, thank goodness, the Kings fouled Lowry on that three. Those free throws made me 15 bucks. Well, dinner's on you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, all right, I need to take another quick timeout here in the Full Court Press before we wrap things up for the hour. 435-339-0321 if you still want to text in. Home McDerald has a farm and appliance farm. With down-home country prices and big city selection. E-I-E-I-O. Experts tell us that the three areas of balance for proper health are exercise, nutrition, and sleep. This is Ryan, owner of My Mattress. And while My Mattress Store can't really help with exercise and nutrition, we can help with better sleep. If a person started today to live a balanced life in health, exercise, and sleep, uh, three things might happen. One, we might throw away the bag of peanut M&Ms that we have stashed. Two, we might get up off the couch and exercise. And three, we'd come buy a new mattress here at My Mattress. Prodigy Brewing has so much appreciation and gratitude for the warm embrace Cash Valley has given us. We want to invite you to join us for Sunday brunch from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Our Sunday-only brunch menu features sweet and savory options such as chorro French toast, chilequiles, fried chicken egg sandwich, and a Bloody Mary bar. You also won't want to miss our hash browns. Whether you are out with the family or friends, Prodigy Brewing is the place to be in Cash Valley. Open seven days a week, located at 25 West Center Street in beautiful downtown Logan. Alpine Home Medical has been around for over 25 years. Can you believe that? Hi, I'm Jay Broadbent. What keeps us coming to work every day? We're passionate about caring for you. From home and bathroom safety to transportation, mobility, recovery, oxygen, sleep, and more, come into any of our 10 locations today and let us take care of you. Visit us at alpinehomemedical.com. This is The Herd. The winner in this is also Colin Cowherd. Season's over for the Packers. The Titans play like Mike Vrabel looks. Then there's the Packers. Hipster quarterback. Young, good-looking, cool coach. Zero tenacity. Zero resilience. I'm not sure they trust each other. I mean, can you imagine Aaron Rodgers coming up to Mike Vrabel on the sideline? This is The Herd. Weekdays from 10 to 1 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio. The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric France and Jason Walker, last couple minutes of the show. Feel free to text in on our Full Court Press text line, 435-339-0321. And a um, couple of, yeah, we've got another text here from 4781. Uh, we're talking about, uh, you know, Gobert. Um, you know, it says it's because Gobert was Embiid's daddy. <laughs> but uh, uh, interesting to see the, some of these games that are on the schedule and how how will fans react to Donovan Mitchell when he comes to town next week and next Tuesday? Cleveland will be in Salt Lake City, uh, the first game back for Donovan Mitchell since the trade. Um, and 
it went, uh, probably would have gone over swimmingly. Fans probably would have reacted positively, except for the fact that he had some choice things to say about his time in Utah before Utah's game in Cleveland. And uh, was kind of negative about his experience in Utah, uh, about some of the challenges that he faced and uh, some of the treatment that he received. And uh, I'm not trying to say that, well, I don't believe that he's inflaming uh, some of those attitudes. I think those were true things that did happen to him. Um, And I think that uh, it's unfortunate um, in the the way some things happened while he was here. Uh, But, um, you know, I I think that he still handled a a lot of stuff pretty professionally. Could have could have handled it a lot differently. We've seen some others not handle those similar situations very well. And I thought that he handled the whole trade professionally and the offseason professionally. And I, I will choose to remember Donovan for the good things that he did while he was here in Utah. Uh, so I won't be at the game, unfortunately. Would love to be. Uh, but you know, I will applaud him when he's announced over the, the, uh, the PA uh, when he's uh, when they call out the starting lineups, uh, I'm not going to be cheering for every bucket that he makes, but it's worth applauding him for what he did, and um, you know the things that he accomplished while as a Jazz player. Um, but um, you know some fans, you know, the, the the fuse uh, is is a lot shorter, and uh, the opportunity to um, extend uh, grace and gratitude. Is, uh, is shorter for others. And I understand that. I'm not trying to put anybody down if you have a, a different opinion. Uh, I don't love the things that he said um, about Utah and his time here um, at, the, at the end. But um, I will choose to, uh, to celebrate his successes and what he brought to the Jazz franchise and where he, uh, where he took things for, for the franchise and the community. I thought he did a lot of great things uh, for the community. Um, but uh, when it gets closer, it will be interesting if more things are said or how that gets interpreted and how he reacts and the type of game that he, he might have while he's here. Uh, 4781, texting in. I think Don needs to grow up and realize that he's a pro athlete, that he is going to get hate no matter what city he is in. He needs to stop hating on Utah. Uh, yeah, you know, I don't know that he's continuing to hate on Utah. I don't know if it's just that one I don't know if I've seen a lot since that one interview that was conducted, but um, you know, it's uh, it, when you become a, a top-flight athlete, you're not you're not universally loved. Uh, you're you're going to be you know, loved by some, hated by others, and you just some guys just have to understand that and accept that fact. Um, some some really embrace it and uh, really play those roles, but others, they have a hard time. They want to be universally loved by everybody, but it just it doesn't work that way. Uh, and that's just the way uh, of sports. Uh, but, hey, recapping some of the big stories today here on the Full Court Press, J.C. Carroll, a university announcing today that his jersey will be uh, put in the rafters in the spectrum. They're retiring his jersey, but not his number. So other Aggie players will be able to wear his number in the future. Uh, also, earlier on the show, we had Mike Williams join us, the head trainer for Utah State. He was uh, in the spectrum when Danny Berger, basketball player for USU, had a cardiac event and collapsed. 
and uh, shared his uh, experiences with that in relation to what happened earlier this week. So really fascinating. That'll all be available on our podcast, 1069thefan.com.